he says radiyallahu ta'ala anhu in this part of the poem where we left off bismillah ayal wara fahmu ma'nahu falaysa yura fil qurbi wal bu'di fihi ghayru munfahimi that is an interesting translation it seems that in this translation that you have in the pdf they lean to kind of like the poetic so to speak <coughs> the translation i have here in the in the mainstay says the following man's mind is exhausted trying to understand his meaning that's that's more literal uh mind's man is exhausted trying to understand his meaning sallallahu alaihi wasallam the meaning the true meaning of who the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam really is all of them near or far appear as if dumbstruck all of them near or far appear as if dumbstruck So one of the things I think that's that's uh let's look at the various scenarios that play out when we talk about someone who is um looked up to or respected and how they are perceived from near and how they are perceived from far. So sometimes here's case case study number 1. Case the case study number 1 is someone who those who are close to them know them really well and respect them and honor them because of who they are. And they're the ones that know that and see that every single day. But when they go into public, maybe they don't have kind of like the same charisma or appeal to the masses, kind of like on a public level. This is now where I'm speaking specifically like for someone who holds uh, some sort of rank in the spiritually in the minds of people let's just say so uh so in their family the person is known as being really good and outside of their family maybe they don't have like the same appeal or outside of those who are close to them maybe they don't have the same appeal for any number of reasons but only but in this case only those who are really close to them are the ones who can really see how great they they are okay um and some people subhanallah are like this maybe they just they don't like public speaking or they don't dress in a way that people like or they just don't care for all of the formalities of uh and the details of public existence so like they just don't have the same following publicly or whatever it might be um so that's one possibility Another possibility is the person who is well known and appreciated in public, but those who are close to them know that they're not actually what they portray themselves to be when they are in public. Meaning what they portray themselves to be in public is not what they are in private in a bad way. Um, You know, subhanAllah, sometimes you see stuff that you're like, this is ajib. This is Ajib. Allah protect us from being like that. Allah protect us from being like that. So now this is another possibility. 
Another possibility is that the person actually really is great and people recognize that they're great, but those who are closest to them, it's not that they don't recognize their greatness, but it's just kind of like Adi because you're close to them, you know. It's not because it's not necessarily in a bad way, it's just because they're so close to them that it doesn't really they they're unable to see what's so special about them because they know them so well. This can happen especially if there's like an age difference or if there's a really close proximity, a husband and wife maybe, or if there's like um, a significant amount of change that happened to a person while other people kind of stayed stagnant. So like maybe they left and accomplished great things and they came back, but they're always in their in their hometown, Mizmar al-Hayla Yutrib, that the, the local singer doesn't get any praise, doesn't get any play. You know, they... Um, and you know, subhanAllah, sometimes really great people are like this in certain relationships in their lives. There's a story about Imam Abu Hanifa radiallahu ta'ala anhu that um, his mother used to love a particular storyteller. You know, this, there's this age-old... Uh, <coughs> how should I say? Um, conflict of sorts between the ulama and qussas. Al-ulama wal qussas, the 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 scholars and the storytellers. So this is a phenomenon, like in Muslim society from the beginning, that there's people who are really good at telling stories, really good at kind of like motivating people, um, getting them to think in a certain way, getting them to act in a certain way. Uh, whether or not the information that they're using is really reliable or true is not, you know, their highest consideration. Their highest consideration is just influencing people in a sense they, they just want to be influencers whatever the cost and uh, and the ulama always were at odds with these people um, at least in terms of like theory it doesn't mean that they had personal problems with them you know so anyways Abu Hanifa's mother she, she really loved this uh, particular storyteller so she had a situation one time I forget exactly what it was but she needed a fatwa on it so Imam Abu Hanifa was like, of course, Anhu Sahnan, you know, my mother, what do you need? And, or who do you, you know, what should we do? And she said, we should go to so-and-so and ask him. And she names like this big storyteller in the time of Abu Hanifa, which is hilarious because he's Abu Hanifa. Like he is the great Imam Abu Hanifa. And his mother is like, we need to go to the storyteller. So they go, they go over there and uh, Abu Hanifa enters. He tells him, you know, I have this situation with my mother. She had this thing happen to her and uh, she needs an answer on it. And the guy's like, what do you mean she needs an answer on it? I mean, like she can ask you, what's the issue? And he's like, no, she, she really was insistent that we come in and we ask you. So he's like, okay, well, then can you just tell me the answer to it? And then I can tell her the answer that you tell me basically he's like yeah he gives them the answer and uh they move on with life but the point is there's this uh interaction between the storyteller and uh and the person of knowledge okay so uh i don't know why i'm saying this ah abu hanifa abu hanifa even though he's abu hanifa to his mother she's his son or he's he's her son to his mother he's her son and you know that's all there is to it and you see this sometimes, subhanAllah. In some ways it's very nice, it's beautiful. So there's another possibility. Another possibility is... Um, 
the one that's described here. The one that's described here is that basically whether you look from close or you look from far, no matter where you look at the Prophet them, the mind is unable to really comprehend who he is. Those who up know him up close are astonished. And those who know him at a distance are astonished. They're equal in that. Which really when you kind of like think about it and you go through the different scenarios and stuff is actually quite significant. That all of them would be dumbstruck by him. Uh, to use the words of this um, the commentary that I have. They were dumbstruck with him. Um, so, you know, this is amazing thing. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then the next verse uh, kind of gives a... Um, like a metaphor to help understand what that means. كَالشَّمْسِ تَظْهَرُ لِلْعَيْنَيْنِ مِنْ بُعُدٍ صَغِيرَةً وَتُكِلُّ الطَّرْفَ مِنْ أَمَمِي he is like the sun, small to the eye when seen from afar, but dazzling to the sight when seen up close. <laughs> or maybe if you look from like really far, you know, you can say like, okay, this is how he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yeah, if you're looking from really far. But if you come, the closer, the closer, the closer you come, the more you're overwhelmed by how he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he's like the sun. Small to the eye when seen from afar, but when glimpsed up close, it dazzles and overwhelms. So when you really, you know, when you really look at the sun, it hurts the eye. Uh, the Prophet them, he says in the commentary, is likened to the sun in order to convey this meaning, since anyone who looks at it directly is overwhelmed. And its rays confound his sight, and those both near and far are equally unable to arrive at an understanding of its reality. Its true extent is unknown to those near it and to those far from it. So this is uh, similar to the Prophet Muhammad. Mm. I don't know why, but this particular verse, I, I just think it's really beautiful. Somehow this, um, the imagery in it is just uh, very clear to me. Like you can imagine looking upon the Prophet وسلم, and just being overwhelmed by the experience of looking upon him. But then, <coughs> you know, and yet, even though this is how he is, sallallahu alayhi wa and yet there are those who are unable to see this reality. So he continues this, and he says, وَكَيْفَ يُدْرِكُ فِي الدُّنْيَا حَقِيقَتَهُ قَوْمٌ نِيَامٌ تَسَلَّوْ عَنْهُ بِالْحُلُمِ how can his reality be grasped in this world by sleeping folk distracted from him by dreams? Distracting from him by dreams. So, what's the issue here? The issue is like if someone's asleep, they can't recognize it. If they're just heedless, if there's a level of heedlessness that clouds now the vision, 
then uh, no matter how hard you try, it's still not going to work. And there's this line of poetry. I think it's a line of poetry they use often in the books of spirituality that basically makes mention of this idea that the person who to the person who is sick, none of the food tastes good. To the person who is sick, none of the food tastes good. They lost their they lost their sense of taste and they no longer have uh, any sort of desire for food and because of that none of it tastes good and it doesn't matter like if, if if you put the best food in front of them they're asleep in the sense that they can't see how good that is and uh, so he's saying he's asking a question like, how is it possible how is it possible like he's the prophet in them. he is who he is he's so amazing he's so beautiful he's so incredible anyone who objectively and honestly and wholeheartedly and comprehensively studies his life has to be completely astonished by this man and yet they don't realize who he is they, and on top of it they, they, there's, even if they wanted to realize who he is they can't realize truly who he is why? because they're asleep and they're distracted by their dreams. Their, their sleep and their distraction by their dreams make it so that they can't truly understand things as they are. As they are. Um, so, you know, this is, I, I think, a scary, a scary thing. Um, because... You know, like... I can say for sure that there's things that I held particular positions on or perspectives that I had or understandings that I've had that as I've been exposed to more and more my perspective on it changes. But how there was a level of heedlessness or a level of being asleep on uh, as to particular details that made it so that uh, there's no way I could have understood otherwise right so there's there's this constant then it, it brings us to this idea that we constantly have to be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to illuminate our path for us and to give us understanding and to guide us and to open our hearts and to open our minds and to recognize that, you know, the most accurate description of myself is to recognize that I have, uh, that I'm inadequate, and that I don't know. And maybe from that jumping off point, I can manage to uh, deal, deal appropriately in my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But uh, what, what if I don't even realize that I'm asleep? And I'm understanding everything the way that I'm understanding it. But then it takes a lot of courage to, to face up to the daylight when we see it. May Allah make us strong. Mm. Um. Mm. Um.
I feel like there's something. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, okay, I want to kind of read this. Let's see. There's a whole section here. I'm going to read this whole section because maybe we need to unpack it a little bit. Here the author, radiallahu anhum, anhu, asked how this marvelous secret can be realized and how the reality of this meaning granted by Allah, the favored position of grace and being chosen to surpass all of the other prophets, the lordly sciences, the divinely vouchsafed secrets, asrarul-dunya, and the realities of gnosis can be grasped by people who have been preoccupied by their sleep and distracted from him by dreams. So how can this true reality of the Prophet ﷺ be understood by such people? Especially, essentially, this means that the companions and others only grasp the Prophet's human form, and none of them grasp the true reality of his inward self and the mystical secrets it contained. The Prophet ﷺ told Abu Bakr by him who sent me with the truth, no one knows me truly save my Lord. No one knows me truly save my Lord. This is not a, this hadith doesn't have any basis, but, you know, take the concept. And Uwais and Qarani said to the companions of the emissary of Allah, None of you have seen anything of the emissary of Allah but his shadow. The companions asked, Not even Abu Bakr, Ibn Quhafa. He said, No, no not even Abi Quhafa, sorry, Ibn, uh, uh, Ibn Abi Quhafa. Once when this was mentioned in the presence of Shaykh Abul Hassan al Shadili, he said, Uwais spoke truthfully, may Allah be pleased with him. It was by Ali's rank that he understood the self of Allah's emissary. It was by Uthman's rank that he understood his heart. It was by Omar's rank that he understood his intellect. And it was by Abu Bakr's rank that he understood his spirit. But the ultimate reality of the emissary is the hidden secret unknown to all but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so this is the part that uh, there's more commentary on. It's this particular narration. It was Ali's rank that he understood the self of the Prophet, Uthman's that he understood his heart, Omar's that he understood his intellect, and Abu Bakr that he understood his spirit. But the ultimate reality of the emissary of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is known only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After reciting this quotation, Imam al-Jazuli radiallahu an said the following, His Ahmadan reality, then, is part of the hidden secret and one of the safeguarded matters known only to Allah Most High. Of him... The believers have only comprehended the Muhammadan form, which Uwais spoke of as his shadow. Moreover, the believers are of varying ranks when it comes to their grasp of him, and it is commensurate with their closeness. The greatest of mankind in comprehension of the Prophet are the four caliphs, for they were the closest of mankind to him. However, since their stations were varied, their grasp of his reality also varied. Each comprehended the realities of the Prophet ﷺ that corresponded to the station he himself was in. And this was alluded to in the above statement of Shaykh Abul Hassan al-Shadili Since the predominant trait of Sayyidina Ali was his knowledge of laws and his state of expansiveness was found therein, it follows that he grasped the self of the one from whom he inherited his knowledge, our master Muhammad ﷺ. For expansiveness is a trait of the self, which is why it is said that no matter how hard you try to silence the self, it will not remain silent. Since the predominant state of Sayyidina Uthman was deep meditation upon the sciences, it followed that he grasped the Prophet's heart, since deep meditation is a trait of the heart. And since Omar's trait was contemplation of the sciences, it follows that he understood the intellect of the emissary of Allah. 
contemplation being a trait of the intellect. And since the predominant state of Abu Bakr was the comprehension of realities, and his state of contraction was found therein, it follows that he understood the Prophet's spirit. That is because contraction with the sciences of spiritual realities is a state of the spirit. The dominant trait of the spirit is silence, which is why it is said that no matter how hard you try to make the spirit express itself, it will not speak. Now, despite the fact that the four caliphs, Allah be pleased with them all, had a, have a predominant knowledge or spiritual state, or a known station among the spiritual stations, they are still leaders in the branches of knowledges and the states of, and stations that do not predominate over them, and they surpass those for whom these states and stations predominate. But each of them became known for what was predominant in him. This is the end of the quote of Imam al-Jazuni. So basically the idea that they're getting at here, or that uh, I guess you could say they because there's more than one quotation is that each person understands the Prophet them in a way that is commensurate with their own um, with their own uh, prominent characteristics so Someone who is very generous, for example, they reach the highest pinnacle of generosity. They're the one who truly understood how generous the Prophet ﷺ was. But not all of his other qualities in the same way. Or someone who is very, very just. And they understand then the justice of the Prophet ﷺ in a very accurate way or, or a good way. And, uh, and for other things, maybe they don't have the same. So no one person combines all of these qualities at a level that is high enough that they can really appreciate who the Prophet ﷺ was. And this is true for any type of knowledge, by the way. Like someone who is more advanced than a particular type of knowledge can actually appreciate someone who's even more advanced. Whereas to the person who doesn't know much about it, they all look the same. And this is part of the reason why we always say in like community, it's very, very important for the, uh, a broader and broader swath of the Muslim community to have a certain level of literacy when it comes to Islamic studies. Because if the community's level of literacy is increased, then the standard by which we understand scholars will also increase. But we'll know that there's a difference between someone who's in their late 30s and spent a significant but not large amount of time studying the religion is not the same as someone who's older and is tried and true and has spent decades and decades and decades studying the religion with commitment and so on. So all of this then after that is going to explain kind of like, you know, similar, similar type concept about these companions of the Prophet them and the special gifts that they had. Then the author continues. فَمَبْلَغُ الْعِلْمِ فِيهِ أَنَّهُ بَشَرٌ وَأَنَّهُ خَيْرُ خَلْقِ اللَّهِ كُلِّهِمِ The extent of our knowledge is that he is a mortal. And that he is the best of all of Allah's creation. So this this line for me is kind of like the summary line to respond to 
any of the issues that people might bring up and accuse the Buddha of certain things and the author of having problems with his Aqidah and stuff like that um, Inshallah those days will eventually pass us but I'm not so optimistic but you know people will say certain things about that this line responds to that kind of idea in a way that is sufficient and that it says فَمَبْلَغُ الْعِلْمِ فِيهِ أَنَّهُ بَشَرٌ وَأَنَّهُ خَيْرٌ خَنْقِ اللَّهِ كُلِّهِمِ The extent of our knowledge is that He is a mortal and that He is the best of Allah's creation. So we simultaneously hold both of these. We hold that He is a mortal. He is a creature who exists. He was brought into existence. And at the same time, that out of all of the things that were brought into existence, he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is the greatest of those things. And, uh, of course, that's a tremendous thing as well. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. That he is the best of creation. He is the best of creation. So, yeah, we know that he's a human being. We know that. And we also know that he's the best thing in existence. Uh, like, a temporal thing in existence. The best created thing in existence. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam He said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, I am the noblest of the first and the last in the sight of my Lord And that is no boast I am the master of the children of Adam On the day of resurrection I am the first person for whom the earth shall be cleft open And I am the first intercessor and the first person whose intercession shall be accepted The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said I am the master of the first and the last and the master of humanity on the day of resurrection. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Indeed it is. Uh, that's okay. So this is it. He's the, he, he is a human being and he is the best of all human beings. That is it. He is the human being and he's the best of all human beings. If you want to understand him, that's how you understand him. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. The author then continues. وَكُلُّ عَيَنْ أَتَى الرُّسْلُ الْكِرَامُ بِهَا فَإِنَّمَا اتَّصَلَتْ مِنْ نُورِهِ بِهِمِ All of the signs brought by the noble prophets before him came to them through his light alone. So this gets at what we spoke about before of the Muhammadan light, al Nur al Muhammadiyah, or al Haqiqa al Muhammadiyah, the Muhammadan reality. And uh, in, it, in, in this topic, the Prophet is narrated to have said, I was a prophet while Adam was between clay and water. Um, and so this line is kind of getting at the everything actually that came later on is an extension of the light of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because he is uh, that was the first thing that was created was the light of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on that on that opinion. I don't want to go through that one too much.
And one of the more beautiful lines in this section, فَإِنَّهُ شَمْسُ فَضْلٍ هُمْ كَوَاكِبُهَا يُظْهِرْنَ أَنْوَارَهَا لِلنَّاسِ فِي الظُّلَمِ حَتَّى إِذَا طَلَعَتْ فِي الْأُفْقِ عَمَّا هُدَاهَا الْعَالَمِينَ وَأَحْيَتْ سَائِرَ الْأُمَّمِ For he is the son of virtue, and they are its planets. He is the son of virtue, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The son as in S-U-N. The son of virtue. And they are its planets. They display its lights to mankind in the darkness. They display its lights to mankind in the darkness. Until finally his light rose on the horizon and his radiant guidance dawned upon the world bringing life to other nations. Yeah. Hmm. This is an interesting one. He is a son of virtue. They are the planets. Their light only shows up when it's dark. But if his if he shows up, all the other ones go disappear. All the other ones disappear. And he brings to life all the other nations. The guidance that he brings encompasses all of it. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbi wa sallam. I feel like there's more to say about this. But it's again related to what came before it. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the first of creation. Again, uh, on that position. It is a dispute, disputed issue. Uh, amongst the scholars but on the position that he is the first of creation in the sense that his light is the first of creation then he is the source of everything and in, in, in that like everything is an extension of that um, yeah sallallahu alayhi wa I don't want to go into it too much because it, sometimes this topic, it creates confusion. And, you know, if someone's like really interested in it, they can kind of look into it. But otherwise, you know, it's okay to just go on with life. أكرم بخلق نبي زانه خلق بالحسن مشتمل بالبشر متسمي How noble the qualities of a prophet beautified. By such traits, full of beauty and marked by smiles and good cheers. Um, here the author, let's see what he says. Here the author says, How noble are the qualities of this esteemed prophet, and how beautiful is his form adorned by Allah with august character, pure disposition, and well pleasing traits. It is sufficient for you that Allah Most High has lauded the Prophet them in his book saying, And indeed you are of an immense character. The Prophet them was unparalleled in the perfection of his outward attributes and his inward perfections. He donned the reign of goodness and was cloaked in it. In other words, he was adorned by such traits and they embraced his noble body and outward limbs. And he still was smiling. So one, one of the things that kind of like comes up here um, oh, sorry, that's the other one. That what excellent character he has. 
and what good cheer he has. And I think, you know, the Prophet ﷺ is described as mutawasil al-ahzan. Mutawasil al-ahzan. That his sadnesses came one after another. Wada'im al-fikr. He was constantly contemplative. Constantly contemplative. His trials and tribulations and things that would make you sad come one after another. And yet, he ﷺ is always smiling. So, what does this mean? What, uh, it means that one can have concern and still smile. One can have concern and still smile. Like sometimes we, we think that the only way that someone is really serious about anything is if they're always serious. Um, or, that's the only way that they can be happy is if they're not like that. But the Prophet them is always smiling and always happy in a sense while at the same time always filled with concern for his ummah for the needs of the people for the responsibilities he had towards them them, and so on but one of the things this is teaching us is that we don't have to become like these really grouchy people in order to care about things we can care about things and still have a kindly disposition still um, smile at people and, and, and encourage them and make them happy and so on and so forth even though we are filled with concerns ourselves and that's something that we do for other people Sallallahu Allah have mercy upon our beloved Prophet Sallallahu he is so beautiful that he's able to combine these different traits okay so um We're going to read this this next line now. It's also one of the more kind of like famous and beautiful lines of the praising of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where Imam Busiri radiallahu anhu said كَالزَّهْرِ فِي طَرَفٍ وَالْبَدْرِ فِي شَرَفٍ وَالْبَحْرِ فِي كَرَمٍ وَالدَّهْرِ فِي هِمَمٍ It's just كَالزَّهْرِ فِي طَرَفٍ وَالْبَدْرِ فِي شَرَفٍ وَالْبَحْرِ فِي كَرَمٍ وَالدَّهْرِ فِي هِمَمٍ You can see the, the rhythm to it. He says, he's like flowers in delicate beauty, like the full moon in honor, like the sea in generosity, and like time in persistence. These are the Prophet Wasallam's qualities. Number one, that he's like a flower in his beauty, in his delicate beauty, Wasallam. Um, he's very strong, but his beauty still has that it's it's still very beautiful sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his wal badri fi sharafin he's like the full moon in its honor the full moon when you see the full moon you just feel like it's it's full you know like it's really there it's honorable it's present it's standing on its own it's shining forth in the middle of the night it's putting all of the other lights into almost nothingness because it's shining so brightly. You know, sometimes, subhanAllah, I look outside on a full moon and you're like, is, is there a light on in, in the yard or something? Or is it? No, it, but it's just the moon. The moon is shining so brightly. It's so honorable the way that it holds itself in the night sky. Um, 
Like the ocean in generosity Because the ocean just keeps on giving And 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 there you have entire peoples That are peoples who have lived and thrived And survived off of the gifts of the ocean You know, fishermen people And he's like time in persistence He's like time in persistence That the Prophet them keeps on going Keeps on going because that's what time does, right? So they say like erosion. It just pass over and 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 over again. It has it wears things out, wears things out, wears things out, wears them down, wears them down, wears them down, until that's you know it's it's persistent like that. Time is persistent like that. No matter what we do, no matter what's going on with us, time is still gonna tick. Time is still going to tick. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of time. And He's the one that knows how it works and knows what He is asking of us in that time. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us and to make us from those who praise the Prophet and glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our appreciation of His beloved Prophet and what He has given us of guidance. Subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah You know, something I've been thinking about in these recent days I mean, in like the relatively recent past is like It's such a simple concept But Alhamdulillah ala ni'matul Islam That all praises to Allah for the blessing of Islam All praises due to Allah for the blessing of Islam What would we be If we didn't have this guidance If we didn't know how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if we didn't know about the Prophet وسلم, and what he gives us and how he lays out for us the path, makes everything clear. That the Prophet وسلم, says, I left for you the clear path. That's the day and the night of it are, are, are the same. Like it's it's that clear that the day and night of it are the same. And the one who strays from it, they're destroyed. No one strays from it except that they are destroyed. As the Prophet is laying it out, this is the path to take. This is the path that's going to give us what we need. It's going to take care of our affairs. It's going to facilitate everything. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the ability to know the Prophet and to follow his way. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa nastaghfiruka natubu ilaha. If there's any questions or anything,